What is up, everybody? My name is Matt Cordova. I'm the senior pastor here at The River, and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast. Now, before the message starts, there's three things that we would love for you to do. One, we would love for you to share it. Two, we would love for you to subscribe. And three, we would love for you to go and rate it. So the message is about to begin. I hope it encourages you, and I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. after a beautiful, beautiful Easter uh, service last week, and I want to thank him and the elders for giving me the chance to be up here before you. My wife Ashley and I lead the River Encounter Ministries here at the River, and we're proud to be part of that today. I don't know where that buzz is coming from, but anyway, I'm glad you're here. And Easter, uh, just a beautiful, amazing holiday, and just a great time just to get to get together and celebrate and see all you guys dressed up, and thank you for bringing extra family to church if you brought extra family. It was good to see everybody dressed up. I don't think we get dressed up enough sometimes, but uh, thank you for being a part of that. And Easter is one of my favorite holidays because, I mean, that's an amazing week, isn't it? I mean, just in the life of Jesus, just in the life of the disciples. I mean, one week, one day you're walking into Jerusalem, and then all of a sudden, everything, everything breaks off. And it's just an exciting time for Jesus and the disciples going through that. So that's what I'd like to talk about today is what do we do with Easter? How do we come out of Easter? And sort of like Pastor uh, Caitlin was talking about, how do we engage this Jesus that we just learned about? You know, as the disciples, how do we engage that Jesus that was just here one day, gone the next, and then back again and teaching us what to do with our faith? And so I'd, I'd like to speak to you about the next, the next. And so if you'll bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this chance just to be here this morning, and I just ask that your grace just to be upon us. We thank you for the life of Miss Ann Metcalf and all that she means to this church, and we just ask you continue to fill the world with Ann Metcalfs. Lord, that as we see her example, we just continue to rise up as godly men and women and lead the way that she does. Father, just bless those who are here today, and thank you for being here amongst us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so coming out of Easter... You know, it is amazing. I mean, one week you're walking into Jerusalem, people are throwing, you know, trees under your feet so you can walk on something, and then you're healing people, and you're taking on religious authorities. The next minute you're being arrested, and then led through trial. And, and the disciples, you know, what a, what a stress that is to have to see that, the man you're following, and, and all of a sudden having to put all that into focus, having to put all that into some sort of frame. What does that mean? And what, what's going to happen to me? And what's my future look like? And, and how, do I, how do I take what he is and do more with it? And so, you know, then on top of all that, you have a man who was laid in a tomb and then somehow disappears out of the tomb. I mean, the impossible came to life. And you're all there to, to watch it happen. And then he comes back. And so I, I'd like to go through some of that this morning in one of my favorite uh, stories comes right after Easter, you know, you, you have this situation where Jesus is taking the trial and he's laid on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. And then he raises again that I may have eternal life. And then all of a sudden, here he is back again. And so after that, and somewhere in between the Acts comes this verse in John 21, John 21. And so just to set it up for you, the disciples, like I said, come through this stressful time and they come to this situation that they don't know what they, what, what, what are they going to do with this Jesus and how to, and so they all go back to fishing. And so in John 21, it's a story of the disciples all being found on the fishing boats because when life gets tough, when life gets hard, sometimes it's just nice to get simple. And sometimes it's just nice to put your hands on something you know what to do with. And so the disciples are out there fishing, but of course, they're not catching anything, right? 
They're pulling up their nets, and they're not catching anything. But wait, comes a voice from the shore. Hey, boys, cast your nets on the other side. And so they do. And lo and behold, there's fish just streaming out of the nets. And so Peter looks off in the distance, and he looks on shore. And sure enough, there's Jesus. Jesus is back. He's come. He's here. And so that's where we pick up the story in verse 12. They get to shore. Now, it doesn't say Peter didn't walk on water, but it doesn't say he didn't either. But either way, he gets there as fast as he can. The disciples gather up, and in verse 12 it says, Come and have breakfast. None of them dared question who he was, but Jesus took the bread, gave it to them, and the fish likewise. And so there's this image of Jesus, all this stuff you've been through, all this tragedy, saying, Come have breakfast with me. I mean, I'm just jealous. You know, I, I, the first time I got to do a run-through of this sermon was with Pastor Matt on Monday. And on my way here, we found out that David Brandon had passed away. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I love David. And man, I wanted to see him before he went. And all that grief up inside of me. But then all of a sudden, there's that jealousy that he's up in heaven right now. And he's eating breakfast with Jesus. And I'm kind of jealous because what a beautiful place to have breakfast. And he's cooking it for me. I don't have to do any of the cooking. And apparently, there was no dish cleaning afterwards because it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible either. So it's a great time. So, you know, Jesus is asking us to come and have breakfast. And then he kind of lays out this beautiful road of redemption for Peter. And that's a story for another time. But the disciples and Peter are all standing there. You ever been at the intersection of now and what next? And, and that's, that's kind of where the disciples were standing coming out of Easter. And what do we do with this Jesus we just walked with? What do we do with this Jesus we just learned about? And I've had those situations. You know, if you're with me back in January, I preached that I grew up in the church. My dad made sure we were at church every Sunday. And just like Pastor Naomi's doing this summer, we went on mission trips. And so we were there every Sunday. We were there every Wednesday. But at some point came this idea of what do I do with this Jesus I've been knowing about? What do I do with this Jesus that I'm learning about? And so because I couldn't find some answers, I kind of got a little lost. And then I got back into the church. And soon enough, those situations rose again. I was volunteering. I was coming up here letting Miss Ann Metcalf teach me how to serve pickles to the youth on Wednesday nights. It's a great opportunity. They always need your help. But it rose up into me. What do I do with this Jesus I've been learning about all my life? Because just like you... Pastor Matt's the pastor of this church. This is, his, this is his daily job. But every day I get on, I put my pants on one leg at a time, and I go do something else. You know, that's how I make my living. So how do I take that Jesus and bring him into wherever I'm at? How do I take those lessons I learned, those things that Pastor Matt teach me, and how do I take them in to the world I'm living in? And so finally we found some answers. And if you've got those answers or those questions... Congratulations, we're here to tell you something about the answers. So thank you for being here. And so in that, if those are some of your questions and you're at those intersections, I'd like to give you a way to frame that. And, and so I'm going to compare a couple of verses for you, if you don't mind. We'll start with Genesis 1.28, and then we'll jump over to Matthew 28. So Genesis 1.28, and then Matthew 28. Now Genesis 1.28, God has made the world. Adam and Eve are together. And so we pick that up in verse 28 where he says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves. All right? Now keep that in your mind as we move over to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18, 19. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up here on the Sky Bible. There's also some notes you can follow along with uh, to catch up with us afterwards. But Jesus is looking at the disciples sometime after the fishing situation with Peter, and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so these verses sort of have something in common, right? This common theme of be fruitful and multiply. In fact, it's a theme throughout the Bible. After the world floods and Noah is left there with his family, God says the same thing to Noah. When Abraham's established, he says the same thing to Abraham. He says the same thing to Isaac. He gives the same blessing to the Hebrew people. Go forth, multiply, be fruitful. And now here's Jesus giving it to the disciples. So in all these things, in all these areas that we have in life, this command is still the same. Go therefore, be fruitful, and multiply. And why? You know, why do we need that? And, you know, a lot of versions of Genesis one twenty eight takes that word subdue and actually says take dominion. And so if you feel yourself cringing up at the thought of taking dominion or subduing something, it's a natural reaction because you've seen it done wrong. You've seen it done wrong from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. You've seen it done wrong all the way since you've been birthed until now. You've seen people take unrighteous authority in places and take unlawful dominion of the territory around them. We've all had bad bosses. We've all been in supermarkets where the situation's a little tense or politics. We've seen it done wrong, and that's the reason you feel it clinch up inside of you. And I think Romans 8 has a great definition of why that causes that to clinch up inside of you. So in Romans 8, 19, Romans 8, a beautiful verse. In fact, uh, Brandon's leading us down to Red River coming up this fall, and that's where I really came into context of understanding Romans 8 is I spent that whole week in studying that. And so if you get a chance, sign up for that. But Romans 8, just a beautiful chapter, go through and read it. But we'll pick up in verse 19. And verse 19 is why you need to be fruitful and multiply. It says, for the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the slavery of corruption, and that's that groaning that you hear, into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. If you accepted what Jesus Christ did for you, what we celebrated last weekend in giving you a road to salvation, that makes you now a child of God. And so verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And that's until you're revealing. That's until you rise up and realize that you're a child of God and the area around you has to grow and the area around you has to prosper. And so once we put all those things in context, we understand that we've been given a mission and we've been given authority and we've been given a place inside this righteous kingdom. There's a parable that Jesus has, and it's recorded in two different places, uh, Matthew 25 and Luke 19. Matthew 25 records it as the parable of the talents. Uh, Luke 19 records it as the parable of the minas. Now, here's the great thing about this story. You get to hear the parable according to Les this morning, so cut me some grace. But here's what I think, and you know this story. There's a master, right? And the master has three servants. Now, the master is looking at these three servants and says, I'm going to go away for a little while. But I'm going to give you some gifts and let you take care of things while I'm gone, and I'm going to come back later and we'll settle up accounts, right? And so you've heard this story before. Usually we, we talk about it when it comes to stewardship and money. But the master gives them some gifts, and he, he leaves, goes away for a while, then comes back, sits down with his servants, and says, all right, let's settle up accounts. So he looks at the first servant, and he says, hey, what's been going on? How you been? What's been happening? And so the first servant says, you know, I took what you gave me, and I multiplied it. 
Job well done, good and faithful servant, right? You've heard this before. Second servant, same thing. He comes to him and says, hey, how's it going? How'd you do? How'd things go? And so he goes, well, I took what you gave me. I took it and I multiplied it. Job well done, good and faithful servant, right? Third servant comes up. Well, how'd things go? Tell me what's been going on. And this is, like I said, the parable according to Les. But I think the servant looks at him and says, well, you know, to be honest with you, I'm kind of afraid of you. It kind of scared me. I didn't want to make you upset. I didn't want to disappoint you. And, and you know, I, 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 this gift you gave me, you know, here's what I, I, I here's it back. You know, I, I just wanted to keep it safe. I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I was just really afraid of you. And, and this is what I think the master is saying to that third servant is that didn't, I thought we spent time together. I can't believe you think so little of me that I would, I would do that to you. And I think Pastor Matt, you know, talks about us having faith in the wrong God, a God who's going to destroy us with a lightning bolt should we misstep. And I think that's what's happening in this, in this third story is that the master looks at him and says, you, we, you, did you not understand who I was and what I was telling you to do? We can't be friends anymore because you think so lowly of me. And so the third servant has his gift taken away and it's given to the other three servants. And all those carry this consistent theme that the Lord has given us gifts and he expects us to take them and multiply them. And, and like I said, this isn't my full-time job. This is Pastor Matt's full-time job. But I have to go out into the world and take what he's given me and put it in the context. And so I'm hoping to do that for you a little bit this morning. And we're not going to go through all of these, but I think it's important to focus on a couple of things. And when we're coming through times and we're coming through these transitions, it starts to question what we believe in. Do I really believe this? Do I really believe this? And how do I walk like I believe, you know, a lot of people tell you to, you know, practice what you preach. How about practice what you believe? And so in my circumstances, if I was going to be fruitful, if I was going to be honoring God with the salvation he gave me, I would be fruitful and multiply with that belief that he gave me. And in fact, it's, it's changed my life. It's changed the life, I think, for the people around me. So we're not going to run through all these gifts I'm going to go ahead and uh, I think we're going to show them over here on the Sky Bible. They're also in the notes. If you want to email me, I can send you all of them. Uh, but you can read through them. And I think it's important not to put names on them because once we start putting names on stuff, it kind of gets a little weird. But 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Ephesians 4, Romans 12. So you can go through there, and this is a framework. Now, these gifts are shown throughout the Bible since the dawn of time, but it's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12. So get through there, read some of those passages because it unveils to you the gifts that the master has given us to use until he comes back again. Now, just to cap off some of those verses, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, the Spirit has given each of us a special way of serving one another. Each of us. Now, that verse, and nowhere in the Bible does it say it's just a gift reserved for pastors. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it's a gift reserved for those who sin less. It's not a gift reserved for those who make all the money. It's not a gift for those who don't have or do have. It's a gift for each of us. And so also it's a special way of serving each other. Ephesians 4.11 picks it up in another way. It says, the gifts are for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. So these gifts are given for each of us to encourage one another. In fact, Hebrews says we should spur each other on, encourage one another constantly throughout the Bible. And how many of us could use a little encouragement? I mean, it's been a rough week. 
It's been a rough year. I mean, I was just talking to my boss the other day, or one of my bosses. I got like five. Uh, and the, the, ever since the first year, the clock has been ticking, and it seems like it goes ever so quick. And so, you know, we need to be able to encourage one another in these times. Romans 12, 6 has another way of saying it. It says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And pretty much what this verse says is if you're going to do something, just do it. Get out there and just jump into it. Get out there and do what you got to do because we need each other. In fact, Pastor Matt constantly says we should lock shields. And it's for the equipping of the saints, the equipping of the church. The church isn't just the church just because we're gathered up here on Sunday. The church is the church out in the marketplace. In fact, that's the part of the reason I cringe at these boycotts that we're constantly getting involved in. And I don't want to get involved in the politics, but there's a righteous person working in some of those places. There's a person that believes in Jesus in some of those places, and they need encouragement, and they need a paycheck, and they need prayers just like anybody else has. Now, I'm a firm believer in Starbucks because I love coffee, but I'm not a firm believer in their politics. But there is still righteous people involved in those places that we've got to support, that we've got to encourage. And so I'm not a big fan of boycotts, and we can discuss all that, but you know, it's just one of those things that there's Christians everywhere we walk. And so, once again, the Spirit was given to each of us in a special way of serving each other. Ephesians 4, the building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith. It's kind of like what we did on Easter. I mean, it was beautiful the Saturday before all the churches gathered up here. Because we need the Baptist church. I need people that believe like the Baptists do because there's people out there that won't receive me the same way they receive me. So I need their Christian influence in the world. Same thing with the Church of Christ. Whatever they're doing and wherever they're going, I need their influences because they're still Christian and we still profess the love of Jesus Christ. The Methodist church, I mean, we can't do it without them. And every one of our churches has to succeed if this world's going to succeed. Because like the master said, he's going to come back someday. He's going to say, what did you do with these gifts? Well, I took what you gave me and I multiplied them. Job well done, good and faithful servant. Now, a lot of these gifts you've been doing for a long time. You've been practicing them, and that's part of the reason I didn't go through them, is because you've been practicing and knowing how they've worked for a long time. You've been engaging with them in all kinds of different levels. We just didn't have a marker for it. And so I'd like to frame some of that up for you this morning. And so we're going to do something a little different. Pastor Matt left his parents here so they could guard the podium so I wouldn't mess it up. I'm just joking. But But the gifts work something like this. It's like... Filbert, this world needs more of you because what you bring is like the example that Pastor Matt is. And so thank you for doing that. It encourages me that you're their father and that you're here supporting them. And I thank you for doing that because without you, we wouldn't have Pastor Matt and we wouldn't have Pastor Matt's brother. I can't think of his name for the life of me, but he's a great DPS trooper and does a great job. Just don't go speeding. But you're the example that created them. So thank you for fathering them the way you did. The world needs more of that. Thank you very much. And, and, and the Spirit looks a whole lot like this. And Jason, I've told you this before, but whenever I come across your path in Sefco in the morning, it lets me know I'm in the right place at the right time. Because if men like you can get up at this hour and make things happen, then I must be in the right place because I'm going to follow in your footsteps going out into the marketplace and making things happen. So thank you for doing that. Malia, it's the same thing with your snow cone stand. Just because you're a business owner and know Jesus, I'm going to go there every day and buy snow cones because I need you to succeed because we need more businesses in Panhandle. 
We need more places with Christian leaders to rise up. And that's what the gifts need. That's what the world needs. It needs more people encouraging one another because we've got to succeed. The Christian church just isn't the Christian church on Sundays, like I said before. We need teachers because you and Debbie, where's Debbie? I know she doesn't like to be called upon, but because you are at Panhandle and because you teach at Panhandle, I'm okay with sending my kids there. My kids are better off because you're in the classroom teaching them. And I'm okay with sending them to the Panhandle schools because I know they have people there that believe in Jesus Christ, but also will breathe life into them when life gets hard. And so God bless everything you do, every day that you do it, because the world will be a better place because of what you do. And my kids, they need that. So thank you for being there and teaching. And and so that's... That's the gift of encouraging one another is getting out and seeing one another and saying, I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful you're here. It's like this gentleman here. I've never met him except for shaking his hand. But because you're here, I know that I'm in the right place because if a man who has been through as much life as you've been still is here every Sunday, then I know I'm in the right place. So thank you for being here and thank you for the example you lead. I appreciate it. And that's the gift of encouragement. It's just, and that's the basics of all these gifts, is to spur each other on. It's like this guy here, he's a firefighter. Oh, and his neck is still broken. We're going to pray for that healing right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we know that firefighters only work when there's fire. So thank you for working when there's fire, because that means there's danger. And to see you run into the smoke and take care of the flames is encouraging, because most people run from the flames. So thank you for being a guy who stands up and runs towards the flames. I appreciate that. It's like Dustin Copenhaver. The way that, I mean, do you see her? She's all over the place this morning, doing a great job. But you're part of the reason she does that. Your example and your support allows her to go to places that's going to change your world. And at the same time, God is going to bless you. The way that you father those girls... And the way that you husband her is only going to bless you as a future business leader. You're going to grow up to be the future Mike Brandovic. Just hang on because life is going to get good. It's going to get great. So that's, that's what these gifts are. It's moving amongst each other saying, get up. You've still got fight. You've still got what it takes to make things happen. You've still got a place in my life. You still matter, even though I don't see you every day. Because when I know you're here, I know that there's godly people gathering up to do something good. You know, I think we take it for granted. We come to this building and and we go home. But every time at the same place all across this great country, there are congregations meeting just like this. There's more Christians than you see. There's more God-fearing, Jesus-loving people in this world than we'll ever know about. And so realize that you are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that you may never see, but know you're not in the fight alone. You're not in the battle alone. It's like families coming for baptisms, celebrating life together, celebrating important decisions. I'm going to be there for you, not only in the hard times, but I'm going to celebrate the times that life happens in a good way. And that's the beautiful thing about families and so thank you for being here this morning. And Miss Ann and Metcalf, we've, we've honored you a couple different times, but I'm serious. The example you lead makes Panhandle a better place. It makes Panhandle a better place. It, it's not just this church. It's not just those schools. It's Panhandle that benefits from the way that you lead and the way that you're always 
everywhere doing. I mean, this woman was in the hospital and like she was out on the streets the next day doing beautiful works. And so thank you for that because that's the essence of it all is that I can be great in church and I can do a good job, but what happens outside the building? Because if I'm going to succeed, Pastor Matt has to succeed. And it's not just because Pastor Matt allows me up here. It's because the world has to hear what he preaches. The world needs to hear the way that he brings the gospel of Jesus Christ. For Pastor Matt to be successful, the elders have to be successful. For the elders to be successful, the church people have to be successful. For Panhandle to be successful, the churches have to be successful. And it doesn't, it's not about money. I mean, we, we talk a lot about money and prosperity and success, but it's about everybody around me succeeding and, and finding breakthrough. That, yeah, your kid's dealing with that, my kid too. How are we going to get through this? How are we going to pull together and make sure our kids stay on the best path? How can they always be surrounded by people that will encourage them in a good way? Because they're not going to live here forever. They're going to grow up, and just like many other people, they're going to go to different places. And so the things that happen here in Panhandle along the way ensure a successful kid somewhere out there in the future. And so you being here, you not only being here, but taking this outside the walls is practicing what you believe. You stepping into those places is showing that you actually believe what you talk about. And the world needs that. It's constantly in this situation where it needs righteous people to step into ungodly places and bring the name of Jesus Christ. It's like the Browns, one of their kids fixing to go to Poland. That scares the tar out of me because I love that young man. But you know what Poland needs? It needs more godly, righteous people there leading our military into victory. It doesn't need all these other stuff. It needs men who know how to stand up and say, I'm here, I'm standing in the gap. Much like what Pastor Matt talked about last weekend. There was Jesus and there was Moses to stand in the gap. I'm standing in the gap today. I'm going to be the one who says Jesus to my children and tell them that it matters and show them that it matters. Because it does matter. You're a living example in that way. It's kind of like everything that you do, even though you don't realize it, adds to a better world. From the way you wake up in the morning and thank God for the blue skies to the way you pray for rain. And God, we desperately need the rain. Please, Jesus, be with our firefighters out there in Fritch. But you make the world a better place. You make my world a better place just by showing up. And so thank you for doing that. And I wish I could encourage each of you and stand up here and talk about how special each of you are. But now that you know what it sounds like, now that you know what it feels like, then you can do it with one another. You can walk amongst the people and say, man, I'm glad you're here today. I'm going to embarrass my daughter a little bit. But it's always amazing to watch her because we'll be at Walmart We'll be at Taco Villa. And she'll all of a sudden pop off to the cashier and say, man, I sure like your hair. We're not going to get anything free out of that, right? She's just being nice. Or she'll look at her and say, man, those nails sure do look pretty. Man, that makes me proud. Because Walmart's a crazy little place. <laughs> and that cashier, and there's only like two of them, so they've been doing a lot of business. <laughs> they need some encouragement. They need some encouragement, and that's all she's doing is letting out little words of encouragement. And, you know, it's nothing, you know, she's full of Jesus, and so that word's going to come out full of Jesus. She didn't mention Jesus in that conversation at all. She just said, man, I like your hair. Man, I like your nails. It's those small things. It's those small things that continue to tell us, hey, stay in the fight. 
Hey, get up. We got work to do. Hey, you're doing a great job. I know. I know. I know. I know what you're going through, but you're doing fine. Just keep walking. Just keep stepping out one step at a time. And like I said, the gifts aren't just for those people who feel good in the morning. Those gifts aren't just for people who aren't battling with some kind of addiction. Those gifts free you from all of that and take you into a whole different place. In fact, if you have an addiction or you have something going on in your life and you want to step out of it, turn your back of it, go over here and shake somebody's hand. Say, nice to meet you, I'm glad you're here today. And then you're not doing that. And so it leads you out of those places, it leads you out of those darkness, because if we're all going to get to heaven, we all got to be going in the same direction. You know, the Hebrews, God says to the Hebrews, He says, I will bless the work of your hands. It didn't say just the hands what you're doing at church. It didn't say just the hands on Wednesday night, just the hands on Sunday morning. He says, I'm going to bless the work of your hands. And and so that's an invitation for us to be successful wherever we're at. And like I said, it's not all about money. The world has never been so full of money than it is right now. We still have all these problems. It's not about money's not the answer. Money's not the solution. God-fearing people moving into situation is the solution and is the answer. There's going to be times with and there's going to be times without. Us thriving amidst those times is what Jesus means by life and life more abundantly. And so, you know, it's like our worship team, and they do such an amazing job every week, so many of them. We didn't have a drummer today. That didn't stop us from worshiping, right? It didn't stop us from getting next to Jesus. It's kind of like some of the problems in your life. You may have something or have to go with some, out something for a little bit, but that doesn't mean... the Worship's not going to be just as beautiful or just as good. So I like to call the worship team up. We'll round out this. I think a lot of times when we talk about these spiritual gifts, we get that grown in because we've seen people do it wrong. We've seen people misuse them. We've seen the world take them and cripple them in horrible ways. But that just goes back to Romans 8. Those gifts are waiting to be set free into the redemption of Jesus Christ. Those gifts are waiting to be set free into the truth of Jesus Christ. And so if you've practiced any of those gifts, you want to know more about them, just let me or Ashley know. Talk to Pastor Matt or some of the elders. But the world desperately needs you. It doesn't need you in the sense that we're going to die without you, but it needs you in the sense that we're going to succeed because of you. We're going to succeed even more strongly because you're amongst us. There are so many good people in this church doing good things. I think that's Ricky Hamilton. Is that Ricky Hamilton? I mean, how can Panhandle go without you? In fact, there are people that show up at your doorstep that say, I trust what he's doing, so I'm going to follow him. So thank you for being that example. Despite the hard places in your life, you've always found a way to lead people into victory and to lead people into what's right. So thank you for that example you set in Panhandle. I was going to mention that earlier, but thank you. The the world's got to have more righteous people standing up you know, I'm going to bring up Brittany Porter, but it's kind of like the church. If I walk into the church and I see a speck of paper on the ground or maybe a window smudged, maybe, maybe that's going to make me cringe a little bit. And Brittany does a great job. There's none of that today. That's not what I'm saying. Is that Brittany understands that if she cleans this church, I'm going to have a good worship experience. I'm not going to have to worry about something or I'm not going to cringe when I walk into something. And let me tell you, the youth know how to use this building. And they should, they should, because this is a safe place. But she does a great job cleaning up after them. Every little part that you have in this society makes this world a better place. From talking to the cashier at Walmart, to 
taking care of the floors, to making sure the people in the city government know that they're appreciated and that we love them and need them making great decisions in the county government. So thank you for being a part of that, and thank you for being a part of my life. If you have questions, need answers, I'd like to call the ministry team up. There's a few of us here today. We'd love to pray for you and impart anything we can upon you, but most importantly of all, I'd just like to impart this upon you, that Jesus loves you. He's never forsaken you. He's never left you. And the fact that you still believe is the reason why he celebrates over you. The reason that you get up in the morning and still pick up a Bible or still say, I'm going to be a Christian today, is the reason he celebrates over you. It's like my brother Brandon here. I couldn't have done today without his prayers because it's been a heck of a week. But him just getting up and wanting to pray over me and wanting to cheer me on gave me the strength of my wife, Ashley, doing the same thing. I'm going to stand here in the gap with you and I'm going to support you. And I'm going to stand beside you regardless of what you're going through because I love you. That's what Jesus is saying to you today. He's going to be in those places with you. He's going to walk with you wherever you're at, regardless of how hard it is, regardless of how tiring it is, or even how exciting it is. A lot of times we focus on the bad times, but man, how great is it when it's great? You know, Jesus is there too. And he's stepping out to you today saying, come have some breakfast. we got some work to do. Come have some fish. I've never had fish for breakfast, but if Jesus is serving it, I'll take it. But he's saying, come have some breakfast and let's go do some work. It's going to be a good day. In that whole story, he never looks at Peter and chastises him. I mean, the Gospels are pretty clear. He denied Jesus three times. But in that story, he, he never looks at Peter and says anything but come have some breakfast. Do you love me? Yes. Come have some breakfast. And so Jesus is telling you today, I love you. I love you just as you are. I love you despite what you think. I just love you despite the places you've walked that I didn't want you to walk. We're going to go have breakfast and we're going into a better today and a better tomorrow because you believe in Jesus. Thank you all for being here today. I appreciate the chance to speak. Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.